Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. At the edge of the earth, there are places that feel otherworldly. Antarctica definitely falls into this category. It's a vast, harsh, uninhabitable landscape that few people ever get the opportunity to set foot on. And it's home to some truly alien landscapes. Like the strange spot tucked into the McMurdo Dry Valleys, where it's too cold and dry for snow to gather. Tumbling over the edge of a massive 34-mile-long glacier is Blood Falls. This striking natural feature is appropriately named. The 100-foot stream of liquid water running down the side of the glacier is a deep, rich, blood red. It's beautiful and creepy and completely unique in the landscape. And it went unexplained for over 100 years. It wasn't until last year that a team of researchers trekked to the base of the glacier to study blood falls and they finally answered many of the questions that lingered about this strange, eerie place. What they confirmed only makes the mystery of Blood Falls even more alluring than we previously thought. This is Science Salted, and today's episode, Blood Falls. Welcome to Science Salted, Motherboard show about the world's greatest mysteries that were solved by science. I'm Kaylee Rogers. Antarctica's blood falls are found in Victoria land. It's a region of the continent you would get to if you started at the southern tip of New Zealand and went due south. The falls are about a 45-minute helicopter ride from McMurdo Station, a U.S. research station and the largest community on Antarctica. But the first people to stumble upon this breathtaking view weren't lucky enough to be gently dropped off by air. They had to trek in. It's it's unearthly. It's unreal. So when um, uh, Griffith Taylor and his friends all the blood falls uh, flowing red out of the end of the Taylor Glacier. They must have thought it was um, just another incredible oddity in a very strange part of the world. This is Steve Martin, not the actor, clearly, but an Antarctic historian. I spoke to Steve from Australia via Skype, so the connection isn't as clear as some of our other interviews. Steve has written histories of the early days of exploration on the continent and now works on a tourist vessel. I, I worked uh, in a, uh, a library here in, in Sydney 
called the Mitchell Library, which has a very extensive collection of Antarctic history. And uh, I wrote a history of Antarctica and did a major exhibition. And one of the sponsors for their expedition was a man called Greg Mortimer, who just founded a tour company, Aurora Expeditions. And um, one day I showed Greg, uh, you know, some of the magnificent collection of items, the books and the photographs in the Mitchell Library. And he said, you should come down with me on my ship. And I said, yes, okay. And I've been doing it for the last 20 years, yeah. I called Steve to find out more about the first time anyone ever set eyes on Blood Falls and the people who discovered it. Griffith Taylor and Robert Scott. Griffith and Robert were explorers during the golden age of discovery on Antarctica, and they discovered the falls while on an expedition in 1911. Robert had discovered Cape Evans on Ross Island a few years earlier, during his 1901 to 1904 expedition. So that's where they set up. They built a camp there, and the building actually still exists. It's known as Scott's Hut. It was there that they bonded, and it was from there that uh, Taylor went on two expeditions from the hut out west of there into the dry valleys. One in uh, early 1911, and that's when he found the uh, Blood Falls. I had a hard time imagining them staying in Antarctica, in a little man-made shack and trekking across the snow and ice to completely uncharted territory. It sounded both exciting and terrifying, especially in the early 1900s, when it's not like they had much in the way of technology or gear to keep them safe. I was just looking at some of the pictures, and the guys are all togged up in... um natural fibres, so it's cottons and wools and uh, uh, oil skins, um, leather boots, enormously, you know, thick-soled leather boots with uh, leggings wrapped around the bottoms of their legs. And while it was natural, it was certainly nowhere near as as effective as some of the stuff that, you know, the Gore-Tex and the um, uh, plastic fibres that are used now and the... um, coverings that uh, people use to keep out the wind. There might have been rough sort of maps and a rough expectation, but basically it was they walking into an unknown situation. So it was an extraordinary situation for them. They must have been incredibly, um, well, brave's the word for it. Part of the fun of expeditions at that time was naming the undiscovered landscapes. Typically, they'd name islands, lakes, and other physical features after donors to the trip, or themselves. But when it came to Blood Falls, there was only one name considered. It was unusual. It it still is unusual. Um, The colour in itself, um, that bright red, is not a colour you see very often in Antarctica. So that would have been a striking feature. And to see it flowing, if you like, out of the front of a glacier um, must have been... uh, almost primeval to see it oozing out through the ice down onto the ground. It's hard to describe just how striking Blood Falls is when you first set eyes on it. I've seen photos, and you can Google those yourself, but when I hear it described by people who have actually seen it, I feel like the pictures don't do it justice. You stand on this frozen lake, and you look at Blood Falls, and... It kind of looks like this grand staircase. It's wide, 
where it, it reaches the lake and then it narrows up towards the top uh, of the glacier. Here's someone who, as you might be able to tell, has actually seen the falls up close. My name is Jessica Badgley, and I'm a graduate student at the University of Washington. Jessica was part of a team that uncovered the mystery of Blood Falls a couple of years ago, when she was still an undergrad. She told me it's unlike any other feature on the landscape. And it's just this striking reddish-brown, um, which is in such contrast with the rest of the landscape, which is all white of the ice and gray of the rock and blue sky. And it's like, you do have to look up into Blood Falls because it is some 30 meters tall up to the top of the ice. And it's like this, this orange staircase rising up. And did it strike you when you first saw it? Like, can you understand why it earned the name Blood Falls? Did it look like blood? Compared to the rest of the landscape, it definitely, uh, it definitely looks more like blood than anything else around there. A huge, sometimes frozen waterfall, the color of blood oozing out of a landscape would be remarkable, I think, anywhere in the world. But with the pale backdrop of Antarctica, it's a truly wondrous place. But where does the water come from? Why is it this blood red color? And how did it appear in such a remote, extreme part of the world? When we come back from the break, I'll go over some of the theories that existed before revealing what Jessica's research uncovered about the true source of blood falls. Hey guys, if you like our show, you might also want to check out Science Versus, a podcast from Gimlet Media that takes on fads, trends, and the opinionated mob. Science Versus dissects what's fact, what's not, and what's somewhere in between, like their recent episode on serial killers. Then he used her head for a dartboard, but he wasn't done killing. You never turn your back on a serial killer. That's Science Versus, hosted by Australian science journalist Wendy Zuckerman. Science VS. Welcome back to Science Solved It. When Griffith Taylor first discovered Blood Falls, he really couldn't explain how they were formed. But he had some guesses. The main one, and the theory that prevailed for a number of years, was that the water was colored by tiny red algae. Here's Steve, our Antarctic historian again. When he saw the Blood Falls, they thought uh, it must be an algae, a red algae there's a lot of red algae that lives in the snow down there. Um, and they didn't know, uh, of course. That theory persisted for a few years. But soon, more exploration was done, and samples were taken of the falls. These revealed the true cause of its red hue. Iron. Blood Falls is a, um, a pretty unique feature where a iron-rich brine flows out of a glacier, the top of a glacier, and because it's iron-rich, it turns rusty in, when it hits the air, and it ends up turning this glacier red. This is Aaron Pettit. I'm Aaron Pettit, and I'm associate professor of geophysics and glaciology at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Aaron was the lead investigator on the study that finally revealed what causes blood falls to form. 
the one she brought Jessica on as an undergrad. We knew that it was iron-rich, and we knew that it had a bit of a unique microbial environment where it, when the flow, when the brine came out, out of the glacier, what we didn't know was exactly what that was coming from, how it got there, how connected or disconnected this brine and its microbial ecosystem was from the lake that was right there or the whole environment around it. Erin didn't originally set out to study the blood falls, but she became intrigued after work she was doing on the glacier, studying the ice. But in spending a couple of seasons camped right next to it and studying all of the the ice around it, it's something that you just can't let go of. That question of why is it there? What is it? Where did it come from? How does it form? How's it going to change in the future? So Erin teamed up with a microbial biologist who was interested in the microbes living in the brine of Blood Falls. They got some funding, gathered an all-woman team of scientists, and set out for an expedition. They set up camp on the other side of Lake Bonnie, at the base of the falls. And every day, they would trek through the dry valleys to do their experiments. And then we get to the point where the lake, the lake and the glacier meet, and we have a few safe places that we can that we can climb up, but it's composed mostly of these steep cliffs, right? So we have to find a route that is doable with um, with our crampons, and then we have ice tools in our hands, which are like ice axes that will um, stick into the ice. And so we basically have an ice tool in each hand and a crampon on each foot, and that allows us to climb up like 45 to 50 degree angled ice. Aaron, Jessica, and the team knew that the water was coming somewhere inside the glacier, but they weren't sure what that meant. So they had to track it, which they did using an ice-penetrating radar system. The best data that contributed to Jessica's work is this ice-penetrating radar system, which basically just uses radio waves just like a normal radio, but it uses specific frequencies of radio waves to, to probe into the ice, and then it, those radio waves bounce back, and we, we listen to them on antennas, and so then we can, we can basically image the interior of the glacier um, using that kind of an instrument. We did start to see bits of the pathway that this brine was taking, because what happens is um, this radar, the radio waves... They flow, they move easily through the glacier ice, but they get really hung up when they run into that salty, briny water. And so so in theory, and we went in knowing that in theory, we should be able to detect where that brine was using these radio, this radar system. And unfortunately, uh, we could. By piecing together data from the radar, Jessica was able to build a map of where the water was flowing. And they discovered something surprising. The salty, red water of Blood Falls was coming from an ancient, trapped, underground lake. Because of the high salt content, even though the region is so cold and dry, the water is able to stay semi-liquid inside the glacier. It snakes its way from the underground lake through channels deep in the ice until it finds an opening. And then the pressure of being trapped inside this glacier squeezes it enough to squirt at the top and trickle down the side to form blood falls. 
it was pretty powerful pressurized brine in that conduit. So even though it's not always squirting out the top of the glacier, it's always sitting within the ice there as a pressurized, uh, a pressurized kind of slushy ice mess. That's what I pictured as. Well, this was what they thought based on the radar. But about a year after they left, a team of researchers who wanted to drill into the conduit used Aaron and Jessica's data to decide where to access the water. If they were right, then they'd be able to tap into this secret underground stream that fed Blood Falls. If they were wrong, then it was back to the drawing board. We were sort of like the... um the uh, the water witches. They were going to go then drill in, and and if all the magic worked out right, they would drill right into this briny water. So, of course, we were all sort of on the edge of our seat waiting for them to drill in that next year. We had to wait a whole year for that. And lo and behold, they did hit it right where we said they should, and it squirted up out of their drill. Maps, the radar, the 3D images... It was all correct. The Blood Falls, this strange, eerie place, was fed by a secret underground source buried deep in the glacier and only turned red as it hit the air and the iron oxidized before tumbling over the edge to the lake below. What was even more exciting was that, after solving the mystery of where the falls come from, they also realized that the microbes living in the falls must originate from this same underground lake. And these tiny creatures are able to live in super salty, high iron, very cold water, without sunlight, under a glacier, in Antarctica. It's one of the most extreme environments where we've actually found life. And the more we can learn about these life forms, the better understanding we'll have of life in extreme environments, like in space. Here's Jessica again. Our study is a peculiar case, but it shows us something that we didn't know about the interaction between, between glaciers and water. So it helps build our understanding of all the ways in which glaciers can interact with water, which has this broader impact of helping us understand just how glaciers respond to different conditions that, and that m- might be an will be an important thing to understand as our world and our climate keeps changing. Between the secret lake, the changing glacier, and the extreme environment-loving microbes, Blood Falls has turned out to be a scientific treasure trove. And there's still more research to be done. It's not only a striking visual feature of an otherworldly landscape, but a really important scientific discovery. More so than Griffith Taylor could have possibly imagined when he first saw it more than 100 years ago. So in a sense, that, um, that first discovery is, is um, leading us on a track of further discovery and further explanation. Um, and still, oh, it's, Antarctica has still not yielded up all those secrets, if you want to be romantic about it. And that's one of the attractions. That's one of the wonders of the place. Before we hung up, I mentioned to Steve that I'd love to see Blood Falls in person someday, or any place in Antarctica for that matter. He recommended it, to say the least. Oh, uh, haven't you been? No, no. It's on oh, the list. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, go, go, do it now. Stop everything and go. <laughs> it's easy for me to say, isn't it? Yeah. Care to join me? Science Solved It is a production of Vice Media and Motherboard. If you're liking the show, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where you listen. And please leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. You can find us on Twitter at Science Solved It. This episode was produced and edited by Sophie Cases. Production assistance was provided by Liza Yeager and Ailish O'Neill. Our theme music is by Reximus. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Coming soon from Vice Podcasts. When did you first learn about gay existence? (laughs) Queerness is more than who you sleep with. It's also about the ways we build family. Heather left me this amazing community. People who loved Heather and grieved her and missed her. And also often had the capacity to reach out and make sure that I was okay. The people who help us figure out who we are, inspire us to live as our truest selves, and show up for us when no one else knows how. Anna, I remember, reached out through a crowd of people and, and held, held my, my arm and said, Zulfi, it was very nice to meet you. In a world obsessed with significant others, it's sometimes the unconventional, seemingly insignificant bonds that end up really shaping who we are. I'm Fran Tirado. And I'm Sarah Burke. And this is Queerly Beloved, a podcast from Broadly about the families we choose. Coming soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.